Welcome to another episode of the Completely Cricket Podcast with your hosts Zaid Ahmed and Amanash Erdarsson. Today, our first segment will be about the IPL and all the action that's been happening this week in India. There's been a lot of exciting matches, including Mumbai finally winning and actually winning two from two matches. And they actually bowled well. And there was actually a final over, um, I think nine runs needed from final over and Daniel Sam's only let in something like four. And it was an amazing over. But it's shown like what could be, what could have been if Mumbai had been more consistent throughout the entire season. Anyway, we'll get on to that in a bit. Apart from that, our second segment will be looking at the situation of English cricket in the new Stokes as captain era. So let's start with the IPL. And before we even look at different specific matches, I think it's best to look at the, the um, standings. This is as of now. Uh, at the moment, uh, Gujarat Titans in first, Lucknow second, Rajasthan and RCB third and fourth. Then we've got Delhi Capitals five, SRH six, uh, Punjab Kings seventh, KKR after being in the top four for a while, they're eighth, uh, CSK and Mumbai Indians ninth and tenth the entire season pretty much um, uh, make up the entire table. There, there are some surprises and they're not like, there's not many surprises this week specifically, but over the last couple of weeks, I think there's been a, a lot of um, loss in form. Zaid, what do you think of the couple of teams who have um, probably had the worst form in the last couple of matches? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be uh, definitely looking at sunrises, and I think they they they've lost three three out of three in the last in the last few matches, and that that's really interesting. You know, they they it's kind of been like they've lost blocks and then they've won blocks of matches. It's kind of like they they lost the first two, and then they won the next five. Now they've lost the last three, so. Yeah, they're, they're one team that's actually struggling at the moment, but we've seen them, you know, they, they, they won five games in a row, so we, they might um, do that in their last four. The other team, I think, is Gujarat Titans. You know, they, they they were doing so well up until to a point when they just, they lost two games on the trot. You know, they lost against uh, Mumbai Indian, which is a team that's really been struggling the whole season. So that would be quite a setback for them. But I, I still... Um, both, both SRH and Gujarat Tiger, I don't think they should be too um, worried. Like, I mean, maybe SRH a little bit worried because, you know, they're, they're out of the top four now, but they're, they're just going to keep pushing. But Gujarat Titans, you know, they're still at the top. So I think they just, they they, they shouldn't be too worried. But obviously, you know, you've lost two in the trot, so you, you still want to get back into form. And yeah, those, those are two teams I think are struggling. At the moment. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, in the IPL as well, it's not the same as like World Cups and things. It's actually an incentive to be in the top two because um, even if you are in the top two, in the first and second place uh, play each other in the semis, and if one of them lose, I think there's like a quali- there's sort of like an eliminator between the third and the fourth, and then whoever beats whoever wins in the third and fourth place match, uh, they will play the loser of the first and second team um, first and second place match. So basically, if you're in the um, first and second place at the end of the IPL you get like a, a sort of another chance. And it's actually really helped in the last couple of seasons. I remember Delhi Capitals, they were second and Mumbai Indians were first in, I think it's IPL 2020. And they, um, they actually lost against Mumbai, but then they won, their, uh, they won their second chance at qualifying and they came back to the final, at the very end of the final. They still lost in the end, but it helped them because it was giving them an extra chance. So there is a, there's an actual um, incentive to be in the top two. So Gujarat can't, you know, they can't really afford to, you know, continue this losing streak and then possibly push them into like third and fourth place. But I'm pretty sure that I'm not sure if they're completely guaranteed qualification yet, but they look like they're going to qualify in top four. Uh, yeah, on, on the mention of like Gujarat, we can, uh, I think I mentioned this in the introduction as well, but 
there was a really tight match between Gujarat Titans and Mumbai Indians, where Mumbai Indians actually won. And, you know, the reason why I'm saying actually is because, you know, they've lost, they lost their first eight in a row, and then they finally started winning a couple of matches. Obviously, Mumbai Indians aren't going to, you know, go, they can't realistically, and they're not going to get, um, they're not going to be uh, in the top four by the end of the season, even if they win their next four matches. But for Gujarat Titans, considering all the teams they've won and they've, you know, completely smashed, struggling against teams like Mumbai Indians. And they also, the other loss was um, against uh, Punjab Kings, who are also very inconsistent and a team in not very good form either. Um, is, it, is it like, is it that they're losing against teams who don't have anything, you know, don't really, are not playing for much? Or is it just that they're, or they're relaxing against these teams? They're just not, they're feeling like, you know, they, they think they're going to guarantee, get a guaranteed win and just don't need to, you know, try as hard because um, they've smashed other teams that have done a lot better. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, firstly, you know, we've got we've got to give credit to Mumbai, especially. You know, they've lost eight games and then they managed to beat you know the top teams. So that's a real real uh, show of character, and you know they really really pushed through it. And and on on Gujarat Titans, I just think see the game against Mumbai. I don't think obviously you don't want to be losing to number ten, but if we look at all these ten teams, I mean, there's there's nothing like there's there's no ability issue really. It's just like. Some teams are just not in form. You know, Mumbai haven't been in form this year, and Gujarat Titans just have. You know, all their players, most of their players have been able to perform or something like Lucknow. So I think um, I don't think any team is really getting complacent and being like, okay, we're playing number ten, so we're obviously going to win. But I still think that um, Gujarat, like they, they maybe you know, I think um, in the game against Mumbai. The Gujarat Titans didn't play badly at all. You know, they they their top two, I think Rudiman Saha and Shuman Gill, you know, they both scored 50. So um yeah, some other bats are scoring runs. So I don't think there's anything wrong with Gujarat Titans and what they're playing, but I think for me in that particular game, I just think it was Mumbai, you know, they just yeah, that amazing over uh, the last over from Daniel Sam. I just think some of their players, you know, coming back into form, Nation Kishin, Rochama, these players, I think. It was just in that game, Mumbai were just better than Gujarat. I don't think Gujarat did anything wrong. But in a game against Punjab Kings, I think, you know, Gujarat, they just kind of slipped up there, you know, especially with the batting. There was a bit of a collapse, really. You know, none of their bats really got going. So I think, you know, the game against Mumbai, I don't think Gujarat did anything wrong. But in, in, in the Punjab Kings game, you know, they, they just did just struggle a little bit in that game. But it happens. I think Gujarat, they're still doing very well. And I don't think they should be worried too much. Mm. Yeah, let's go into those two games that Gujarat lost um, in a bit more detail. I think they're pretty; they're both very good games. I think. So the first, um, the most recent game that Gujarat lost was actually um, against Mumbai Indians. Uh, Mumbai Indians scored 176 for six, and Gujarat Titans uh, were chasing 177 and fell short by five runs and scored 172 for five. I think by 10, 12 over mark, they were 100 in the game, looking like they're going to win because the run rate wasn't that high. They were kept, kept it under control. There was sort of a mini slowdown in, towards the middle of the innings. There was like the run rate suddenly like pretty much plummeted and dropped. So that needed a lot of like hard hitting towards the end. And in the end, Gujarat Titans, although they have like players like David Miller, uh, Rashid Khan to, you know, to try and beef up the batting and just try and give it a, a swing a bit more, that it's not, it's not, wasn't really enough. And they just, they sort of just um, stumbled in the end. But I think the one thing must someone who must be given credit was um, Daniel Sams. Like it was a he had, was defending nine runs, which is pr- pretty small. You know, people like Jofra Archer in the 2019 ODI World Cup was uh, defending what I think was like 16 or something, 
and he struggled. So nine is like next to nothing. It's very small. You can easily score in like two, three balls. So, but he managed to defend it and he actually defended pretty significantly. Like he, it wasn't just, it wasn't a scrape through. He actually bowled really well. Like his execution of wider, slower Yorkers, especially. I think there was like two wide, there was not just, you know, wide Yorkers, it was wider, slower Yorkers. So the batsmen are pretty confused. Also, I think it was an off cut as well. It was very good. But for, for all Mumbai Indian fans, it's all good, all good and well seeing them win one match. If Daniel Sams, for example, had shown this quality throughout the entire IPL so far, do you think, oh, and, and other players as well, not just Daniel Sams, obviously it was like, a, it was a whole team effort. If players had been up to those standards throughout the entire IPL, where do you think Mumbai could have been? And what do you think there, do you think they would have been close to the chasing um, semi-final and finals? Or do you think they'll be um, mid-table? Or do you think they'd be in a similar situation to what they are in now? It, I think definitely they'd be much higher than they are now. You know, like as I mentioned before, you know, there's nothing you can't really separate these teams too much in terms of ability. You know, it's just about which teams have maybe the correct plans or which teams are uh, which teams have the best players in form. So I think at the moment Mumbai, you know, they've got players in form. You know, Daniel Sams, he 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 bowled really well. You know, that the Mumbai the openers they they batted really well. And I think he had Tim David who also batted well. So I think if um, the whole the team as a whole, Mumbai showed this form earlier on in the season, which obviously is ideal. You, you can't, uh, it's great to be winning games, but like it's a bit late in the season now. You know, they, they play like 10 games or so, and you're basically done now. But if they did it earlier, I'm sure like they, they'd be much higher. They, they, they'd be, see, they've just beaten Gujarat Titans and the previous game, they beat Rajasthan Royals. So they've just beaten two, like, of the one of the best teams, two of the best teams have played this year, you know. So I think. I think Mumbai, if they shown this sort of form early on in the season, they would definitely be higher. But you know, it happens. You know, they just this year just wasn't for them. But what would be interesting to see if they can continue this form. But you know, they're obviously I don't think they're going to qualify. But um, if, if it, for the next four games they can continue this form, it'd be interesting to see where they end up. Yeah, no, I agree. Talking about Tim David as well, he they, he was signed by Mumbai Indians in the mega auction for I think eight point two five crore. Why has he only played like two or three games so far out of 10 for a struggling Mumbai team that have lost, every, I think they've lost all the matches without him, that he hasn't played. They've lost all, all of them. Yes, they have, except for this one. And um, they, they've done so horribly in this season. Why is their signing of 8.25 Quora sitting on the bench and not playing? Is there, is there a logical reason for why he's not playing? He wasn't injured as well. He was perfectly fit. Yeah, I, I don't think like... It's... <laughs> We've talked about it before, I think, you know, like Mumbai Indians, it's like sometimes it's just selection stuff, you know, like the way they, you know, even the auction, they didn't have a great auction, but it's just very weird, you know, like if you're signing someone for, for a lot of money, you know, that's not a small amount of money, that's a lot of money, then is that not just a waste of money if you're just not going to play them, see? Tim David, he's not even a bad player. Clearly, he, he's shown that in this match. He, he batted really well. So, it, it, I, I don't really understand what's going on there. Like Mumbai, they've got to sort that something like that out because it's something like selection. You know, you've got to be careful what you're doing because you, you, it starts from the auction. You know, like, you've got to be thinking up, like, when, when you sign players in the auction, You've got to be thinking what will happen up until, you know, the 10th, 11th game. You've got to be thinking a month, two months down the line. So I think that was ridiculous how Tim David just didn't play like that. 
I mean, they signed him with so much money and just not playing. That's just not good enough for you. They've got to be like, if you're, if he's not going to play, then don't don't just don't sign him for that much money. So I, I just think Mumbai they've, they've got to maybe sort out some selection issues. Yeah, to me it makes just no sense whatsoever. I just don't understand because there, it's not as if there was no proof of like him not being a player, bad player. There was proof, you know, in the big bash, his finishing. He could easily be deployed as number five, maybe six. And if 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 the Mumbai's batting, uh, if they're starting to the run rate slowing and there's two bats and then if they lose a wicket and then it's like top order, they could even promote him to like four or something just to give the batting a bit more of a kick. I just don't understand why they've not been playing him. It just makes no sense. And hopefully they've realised that they should be playing and putting him in for the next last um, last four matches and hopefully get, if they can get four wins, I think that'd be, it's a decent season. I think that, I think they'll end up maybe like fifth, uh, not maybe not fifth, maybe sixth or seventh, which is okay. Like, Considering this, the horrible start they had, that would be a really good finish. But anyway, um, back to the Gujarat Titans versus Mumbai match. We talked about Tim David, you know, he's, I think it's 44 off 21 he scored in that match. And it was it really gave Mumbai the kick because their run rate was going slowly. They needed a bit of a boost to set a decent total against Gujarat Titans, who have chased down scores of 200. And a team like Gujarat Titans, which is like equally good at batting and bowling. So you needed a big total. So 176, you know, was was purely that. It was really significantly um, contributed by Tim David. Also, in terms of Gujarat Titans, you would you might be shocked at thinking, you know, how they lost this match. Only 176 runs. I think it was really them losing key wickets at key times. You know, just just every time was checking their progress. So as they started to accelerate, you know, they lost the wicket and they had to rebuild. And then that that's what you really want from a bowling attack. You do, if you can't make loads of early inroads and like smash them all out for like you know, 100, for example, if, if it's struggling to do that as a bowling attack, you just want to check their progress and control them as much as possible. I think that's something that Mumbai did really well for the probably the first time this season, I think, because, you know, we've had loads of examples of Mumbai getting smashed all around the park this season, you know, not having any control. So this was a good, um, this was a good, good um, revival of fortune and hopefully they can keep it up. Anyway, the, the other match that Gujarat Titans actually lost was against um, Punjab Kings. And that was, that was not really a close match at all, I'm pretty sure. And that was a pretty horrible. Zay, could you give us a bit of a, a roundup about the key events on that match? Yeah, so it, it was not a great match at all, as you said, for good rep tightings. You know, they, they lost key wickets at key times. They, they, they didn't really get going with their batting at all. You know, they, I think they scored, um, I think it was 143 for eight in their 20 overs. And Punjab Kings, they chased it down with, with four overs to go. So it's just... The good track, they, they, they didn't get going with the bat and it, they, no one really scored. You know? But the interesting is that um, no one scored except, uh, I think, Sai Sudas. I can't say his name properly, but um, he, he scored an excellent 65, which was only, only the only standout performance. You know, every, everyone else was like five, six, ten. So, and it's just a good track title. They, 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 they really just didn't get going really in that game. And they, they, um, they did, as I said, they lost key wickets at key times. And Punjab Kings, they were pretty ruthless when they when they started batting. You know, anything, any bad balls, anything too full, any any wits that they got, you know, they punished it. So, you know, Punjab Kings, they played well in that game, but that's no excuse for Gujarat Titans. You know, that was that was really if we was summing that up, that was really a poor game. I think. Yeah, I think it was at least forty runs under par for Gujarat, considering the performances so far. 100% every match targeting 180, 185 at least. 
So that it, obviously you, if you're doing, if you're bat, batting first and you score under par total, the pressure is straight away on your bowlers because then they got to defend something that's really small. And honestly, I'm not even convinced by Punjab Kings win just because I think it's sort of papering over the cracks. Like it, it, realistically, if they can perform like that, like uh, out of the last, so they play ten matches. They perform like that for six out of the ten matches, seven out of the ten matches. They could have easily been, you know, in fourth place because they have got a good batting order. They've got a very attacking batting order, but it can score runs. Like, you know, you saw Banuka Rajpaksha scoring a load of runs. Liam Livingston, a few sixes. Uh, Shikha Dhawan. You know, they've got a quality in their um, batting order. It's just the fact that if if any, in it, most matches, one of them will perform and then the rest won't. So it's just not been good enough. So honestly, for Punjab, I don't really think this is like, obviously it's a good result, but... It, they've got to they've got to be more consistent 100 and in terms of bowling though for Punjab I think two standout bowlers for me that helped them with that 143 for one for more specifically for this for that match and then one I've seen throughout the last couple of seasons so I think we'll start with the one for that match um Kahisa Rabada everyone knows he's a very good bowler and he's taking like 25 so wickets in previous seasons but this season hasn't been up to fully best standards you know in terms of wicket taking and economy as well he has always struggled with a bit more expensive economy but that's just purely because of his pace. He's been bowling really well. Like, Zay, do you think, what do you think in his bowling really makes him that good? Like what, what aspect do you think makes him that as such a good bowler? I think it's kind of like that ruthless nature, the way he bowls. You know, he, he's not scared to like rough up the bats. Like he, he will bowl like um, hard, a hard length. He will look to, you know, attack the bats. He won't, he won't just look to uh, give them whip. You know, that's, that's or, or he just, he just gets the batsman to like um, try and try and work. He doesn't let he doesn't let the batsman free the run. That that's why I think it's the main thing. You know, if, if if the batsman can't free if, if the batsman can't free the run, then there's no way they're going to score runs, and that's exactly what's happened. Uh, Rabada he got four wickets in that game, and it's just he did so well. And the other thing I think is that the way he executed Yorkers as well. You know, um, I, I haven't watched this game too much, but. In just previous seasons, you know, in total, I just think the way, and even in the international stage, I think the way it executes Yorkers, I, re- I really like it. You know, it's just like I think a lot of the time he just executes everything he needs to do perfectly. Now, this season, you know, it hasn't been the best season for him, definitely, but um, he's just he just hasn't been able to execute it perfectly this season. But I just think as a whole, he, he's got a remarkable bowler, like we all know that, but. I still think like Rabada, it's just it's just a soft season for him. Like we've seen him, he's got so many wickets, he keeps the runs tight in most games. But in, in this particular match, he I think he just executed things perfectly, you know, hard length and just the ruthless nature of him, you know, just to make sure he's roughing up the batsman and executing everything he needs to. Mm. He does get that like good length perfectly. You know, he can he he takes even in the eighteen twenties, he takes wickets out of edges. So that just shows you how like he's very consistent bowler as well. Like he he doesn't let you down. He won't start bowling, you know, like half volleys outside off and just won't get completely slow. Um, and he does have a few variations as well. So uh, the second bowler I was talking about is Arshdeep Singh. Um, I think he he for me has been sort of like an unsung hero over the last um last couple of years for Punjab Kings especially. You know, he's been there with them and he's he's bowled relentlessly. His left arm. And he's kept his economy actually really tight, taking wickets, but not too many. But he's done his role really well. 
what what would you say is the one like special thing about Arshdeep Singh that really puts him like what what do you you think makes him so effective in general yeah that's also an interesting one I think what I really find interesting about his um, bowling is actually the run-up you know he comes up in a very interesting angle you know he's left arm seam but I think he starts at like a few pitches to the side and then he, he he runs in at a huge angle, then he and he bowls like he, he gets he gets those balls in. But you know, when when if someone first sees him, they'll probably think like, okay, there's nothing amazing about this guy. He's just bowling like it's it's not it's not searing pace or it's not like incredible bowling or anything. But I think um if you keep watching our sleep scene, which is exactly what I did, I, I realized that, you know, stuff like he's his slow balls. I really like his slow balls, you know. His his very his change up his variations I think is very good you know he's able to you know trick the batsman into doing something that exactly what he wants to do you know also the way I don't, I'm not sure what happens when he talks to the captain I I, I think um, the field as well that is set you know I don't know if the captain does or he does it but when they both do it together. Um, the, the fields that are set are very good as well. So I think all round, Arshdeep Singh, yeah, as you say, he's more an unsung hero. So I think he, he, the way, um, as with Rabada as well, you know, they both execute uh, what they want very well, but Arshdeep's a very young um, uh, bowler. But I think the main thing for me is just, it, he's just different. And I just think he, his slow balls, his change-ups are what he makes him so successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think, he saw like Bhuvneshwar Kumar, but a little bit faster. He bowls Bhuvneshwar Kumar as a, I think, I, in my opinion, too slow. Like, I don't really see his, like, I don't, I'm not a fan of him. And he's a bit tall as well, Ashdeep. So he gets a good amount of bounce as well. And that, that constantly, he can get that good length as well. So it's a very good bowler. And yeah, his wide run up does also, um, he's still pretty tight on the stumps when he, even though he comes from like a really wide angle, you'd expect him to push it across quite a bit, but he keeps it very tight on the stumps. So he's challenging the batsman quite a lot. Anyway, uh, I think there was one more match we wanted to talk about that was actually important because this is about um, Sunrisers Hyderabad. Um, they've had a probably the worst collapse so far. Three lost in three matches, um, last three matches. So they've from going from like second in the table at one point now all the way down in sixth. But to be fair, the, the fourth, fifth, um, sorry, fifth, sixth, and seventh all have ten points, and fourth also has twelve points. But they uh, that's RCB and RCB have played one extra game. So it, it, it's SRH could easily go back up to um, fourth, but that's not even really the worry. It's more like the actual performances wise. So Sunrisers, one of the key factors to Sunrisers winning five matches in a spot before they lost their last three was, was pretty much their bowling. The consistency of their bowling, the uh, ability to control matches, something that we've seen of the, the winning teams in IPL, that's something they all have. And obviously their batting's really helped. They haven't lost many wickets at all when batting. But their bowling, for me, has been the standout thing. That's sort of gone. I don't know. It's not gone, but it's sort of been either suppressed, I think, in the, especially in the most recent match where they played against Delhi Capitals. And Delhi Capitals scored 207 for three, and then Sunrisers could only muster 186 for eight. And the, the standout performances for Delhi was um, a 92 or 58 from David Warner. So a very big innings. And for me, an over that summed up... Um, Sunrisers uh, match was Umran Malik going for I think 21 runs in one over it didn't start off well I think it was a four wide then he got hit for a couple of fours a six and then a six at the end as well so he got completely taken out and the real um the real thing is is everyone was getting hyped up about Umran Malik you know he's taking wickets his pace but I think what I think what it's been proved is that you know any if a good international player 
you know, he can play, they can play any speed. They can play the fastest speed and they know how to manoeuvre the ball and score runs against it. If you were Umran Malik, say, what would you, you know, be thinking after that, after that match, you know, after getting hit for 20 runs off David Warner? What would your thought process be? And yeah, so what would you do? Yeah, obviously, you know, he got hit for a lot of runs in that game. I think 50 or something. He didn't really pick up a wicket either. So it's, it's I think... You know, in this IPL, Omar Malik, he's been pretty expensive, actually. But he has picked up wickets and he has roughed up batsmen with his pace. But as you said, a lot the best batsmen, and a lot of batsmen, really, not even the best batsmen, just most batsmen these days, they're able to play pace very well. And they're able to, you know, listen, manoeuvre the ball around. You know, some, some I think I saw uh, when um, CSK, they played against Sunrisers, you know, I think we saw Richard Gaikwad. He just, he, he walked down the pitch and just whacked him over the, over mid on for, for six. So, you know, it just goes to show that a lot of players are able to play pace very well. So if I'm on Ran Malik, I, at this point, I'm thinking that, okay, uh, my pace isn't the only thing I need. You know, paces are great, but let's try something else. You know, maybe maybe after this IPL, go back into the nets or play some games, you know, um, play, play some like state games or I don't know where he plays, but play some games, you know, back at the... Uh, lower levels and then try out maybe different things maybe maybe you know as I talked about with Ashdeep Singh maybe try some change-ups maybe have a slow ball in there or some, something different because just pace isn't going to work anymore you know? like he, he's realised I'm sure and if I'm around Berlin, I'm just thinking something's got to change and maybe uh, just got to be that uh, he's just got to add some things into his arsenal just apart from his pace because I think with his pace you know something like Joffre he's very quick but He's got other things as well. It's not just his pace. He he has you know he bowls Yorkers, he bowls slow balls as well. So I think looking up to someone like Jofra Archer, I think Umar Malik, he, he has got a long way to go, but it, it's like um an, an, a good journey to go down through. I think mm. he he's got pace, but um I think adding something else to his arsenal would, would help him a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of the deliveries that he was actually bowling was in the same place as that Dave Warner's body. He was just maneuvering it. You know, pulling a few of them, you know, maneuvering it um, on the leg side, and reality is, is that you know against against younger batsmen, maybe like people who just just playing the IPL or retired players, for example, in the IPL, they can all get you know freak. They might get um you know extremely irritated with a lot of with high speed and by bowling raw pace. But if you play, if you want to play internationally for India, for example, and you're play and you're you'll be these batsmen that you're playing against, where it goes England, South Africa, any team that you play they will all have faced high speed. So they will be perfectly adept at, um, at, you know, scoring against it. And actually it's a bit more of a disadvantage because, you know, even if you get an edge, it can go flying for fours and sixes. We've seen that with people like Rabada as well. You know, he bowled a, a lovely delivery just on top of the stumps and uh, it was like, tried to get someone tried to pull it and it went flying over and it went for six back um, behind the keeper just because he was so quick. Well, with around Malik's speed, it's, it could go even further. You know, it's, it's all he's got to do is, work on the control and work on it, you know, adaptability. If something goes wrong, what am I going to do next, basically? But he still does not say that he's a bad bowler at all. Right? He's a very good bowler. Anyway, I think we'll go on to predicting the matches for um, next week. So I will include the match that's actually currently going on. It's just started. Um, Punjab Kings versus Rajasthan Royals. Uh, I think it's going to be, I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of convinced that Rajasthan have like got into a decent slump at the moment. So, I would, I'd put it on Punjab Kings, you know, with Vaduka Rajpaksa in good form, with Shikha Darwin in good form, you know, if they can get a couple of 50s up top and Liam Livingston slogs it, 
then I think they could easily post a good total and win. So I'm I think Punjab Kings gonna win this one. I think I'm going to go with Rajasthan for this one. I just think, you know, I think they have lost the last couple of games, but still they're, they're, they're still in some good form. But it's just some of their players that need to uh, step up a bit more. You know, something like Josh Butler, they can't continue relying on him. You know, he's, he first had the IPO, he bossed the, every single game, really. And he, he's had a couple of um, low scoring performances, but obviously that happens. It's just going to be. Some of the teams step up, so I'm going to go with Rajasthan Royals, but I think they've got everything they need. I think Punjab Kings, they're not really... I don't think they're looking good enough. Yeah, that's fair. They're not a very consistent team. Anyway, Lucknow Supergiants versus KKR as well later. Um, KKR lost four in a row until winning their most recent one. Can they beat Lucknow Supergiants? I'm pretty sure they can't, honestly. Lucknow, second place in the IPL. We haven't talked much about them, They've but they've generally been in the top four the entire season and there's not really much to say they just if they lose they bounce back very quickly they're, they're not the type of team that you know will lose and then stay in like a slump of form and you know lose three or four so that's something that's really helped them because anytime they've lost the match they've come back they've come back better so I'm pretty sure Lucknow are going to win this one what do you think Zay? I'm going to agree with you I think Lucknow and just an interesting thing you know like in the top two this year at the moment we've got Gujarat Titans and Lucknow Superjunk the two new teams and then at the bottom we've got Mumbai Indians and Chennai Super Kings are two most successful teams. So that's very interesting. But yeah, in this game, um, I think Lucknow is going to win the KKR. They look good at the start, but after that, they just really didn't find, haven't found any form at all. And Lucknow, they're in excellent form. You know, they're doing really well. And as you said, they put losses behind them. You know, they have, maybe they lose one, but they don't, they don't lose any more really. So I think Lucknow, they're just looking too good really. Yeah, uh, to pick up on your point about Lucknow and uh, GT being at the top of the table, there's been a lot of like the talk about that, you know, whether these the whole fact that the two new teams get picks of three people who hadn't got uh, three each who hadn't got retained from by other teams. It's a lot of talk about whether that's you know really fair. Couldn't couldn't they just been put into the auction and then Gujarat and Lucknow had to get all their players from the auction rather than get that guarantee? You know, three players they can pick because like they've got they Gujarat for example got. Hardik Pandya, they got um, Rashid Khan, they're two really good players, and um, uh, what's he called? Uh, did, um, uh, Lucknow got, uh, I think it was Kara Hall, um, and I think they got Quinton Cock in the auction itself, I'm not sure, but it, nevertheless, these players have given them, you know, scored either lots of runs, taking wickets, a good economy, for example, for bowlers. These are really significant players, and they've taken, well, they've got them from other teams. Do you think it would have been more fair to put them in the auction and get them to pick their play all their entire new squad in the auction, or do you think this is the right way to go just to give them because obviously other teams got to retain people as well? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think really the the three player like the guaranteed probably not. I, I would have to disagree with that because it's kind of like you know there are so many good players in the IPL like, and I think every team they get to retain or something uh, but um, uh, these two new teams they have I think they had a lot of options used from them they ended up getting some great players you know, I think so luck now they got um, Kel Rahul and Quinton Ducott maybe and then uh, Gurat Titan you know they got someone like Hardik Pandya so it's just I think maybe a better way to go might have been maybe they get to pick um, from from other team maybe they get to retain one player perhaps Um I think one player and then the rest again the auction. I think that would that might have been a better way to go because I just think with these two new teams they just look a bit too good. 
I think they just the, just their players are just sli- I think they just have a slight advantage over other teams, which obviously you don't want because I just think you want teams that are kind of like um, you're equal and then you make the game more interesting. So I think um, I think a better way might have been to go. They get to get one player retain, and then the rest again the auction. Because mm. remember, this isn't like football where you've got um, uh, different different teams with a lot more money and some with less money, for example, they can buy better players. Everyone has, this, I think it's the same budget. So they've got to, you know, we want it to be, the whole point is, is that it's more about the skill of the player rather than the amount of money you have that gives a team a win. And also, yeah, let's just quickly go along with the rest of the um, predictions. Uh, SRH versus RCB. Uh, that's a good, a good match. It's going to be a very good watch because it's two teams qualifying for that last spot there under the, um, uh, the semis. Fourth place, RCB do need a win, hundred percent. So do SRH. I think uh, it's a tough one. I, I'm unconvinced by SRH's reaction to all this. So I think RCB might win this one. Yeah, I, I'm going with RCB as well because like SRH, they lost. They lost three games on the trot, and like obviously both these two teams, they want a win, but it's kind of like RCB that they they have three games they lost, but then they come back. You know, they won a game. The most recent game, so I think RCB coming into the game and a little bit more form and a little bit more confidence in us to reach. And I just think, I think RCB will pull through. Okay, next one: CSK versus Delhi Capitals. Delhi Capitals could have honestly could have been pushing for top four, if, as a, but the issue with them is that they just haven't been consistent enough. Like, there's just a lack of, you know, a lack of consistency and lack of you know um, putting in good performances regularly. So I think CSK. I think CSK have got a good shot at this one. I think they, I think they'll probably win. Yeah, same for me actually. I think CSK, you know, apart from like the first four games maybe, but apart from those, I think they've actually looked pretty good. It just sometimes have been a little unlucky, maybe just a couple of decisions here and there or just stuff like that. But I just think CSK, they're they're, they're looking good. I think they've, they've got a good chance on this one, and I think CSK are going to win. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, next one, MI versus KKR. Uh, hopefully, I think Mumbai Indians can win this two in a row, push it three. You know, they can, they should be able to continue. KKR have not been in good form whatsoever, lost four in a row, one one. And if they lose against, they lose to luck now, they're not going to be doing very well. So, Mumbai for me are going to win this one. But this is obviously on hope that they keep Tim David in the team and don't drop him again. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Mumbai, they're looking pretty good. And yeah, Tim David, you know, can't really be dropped, you know, like. I don't hope we drop anyway because he's, he did pretty well. But looking at the last couple of games, you know, they've got to keep him. They're putting so much money on him. You've got to keep him. He's doing well as well. So, and KKR, they just haven't looked very good. So, I think Mumbai can win. Yeah. Okay, next one is uh, Lucknow versus Gujarat Titans. Oh, first, second place clash with Gujarat Titans not in good form. And that will actually be their first match since their loss yesterday. Uh, Lucknow can take this opportunity and push themselves and get them closer to Gujarat and actually realistically could come first. So I'm a Lucknow fan. Well, I'm a Mumbai Indians fan, but I think Lucknow are going to win this IPL. So for me, I think Lucknow are going to win this match. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think Lucknow, I think Gujarat, both of these teams are very good. I think Gujarat Titans are, are, are obviously the higher than Lucknow on the table, but yeah, Lucknow, they do have another game in hand. So I think Lucknow, they're, they're, just, they're coming into the game with much more form. I think good, they'll just have much more confidence, and I think Lucknow will win. Yeah. Um, next on Wednesday is Rajasthan Royals versus Delhi Capitals. Uh, this, is, this is important as well, because these are two teams who could qualify. 
for the um uh, could qualify for the fourth place, third place possibly. And Rajan Rawls, I'm sort of counting on uh, excuse me, Joss Butler to uh, score some runs and push Rajasthan to a good total. Sanju Samson as well could be important. So I think Rajasthan are going to win this one. Yeah, I agree. I think Rajasthan will win because, uh, I mean, they have been, like, last one or two weeks, they've, they've been a little bit quiet, actually. You know, like, before we were thinking that, you know, every, it was all over the, it was all over the place, you know, like, about Joss Butler, you know, all, all, and even Rajasthan was as a whole, you know, we were saying how, how good they've been. But apart from that, you know, like, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit quiet, but Still, I think Rajasthan, they're, they're, they're definitely looking, still they're looking very good and they've got all the players in. Their capitals have been very inconsistent, so I think Rajasthan, they'll win. Mm. Next on Thursday is actually CSK versus Mumbai Indians. Normally a first and second clash, now it's a ninth and tenth. You know, what has happened this season for both those teams? Uh, this will be interesting. CSK just won last match, uh, last time this happened, thanks to MS Donison, a lovely finishing, 17 runs lead off six balls. He chased it down in five, I think it was. And it was a very, a very good chase. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I think this is a tough one because I think it could go either way. Normally, most of the times it can always go either way. So I think CSK might edge this one out just purely because of um, uh, just because they're at top. If they can string a win, uh, win against DC, then they're in, they're probably a more confident. They'll be a more confident team, I think. Yeah, for me, I think this game depends on what happens in uh, the the previous games. So if CSK win in Delhi Capitals, then I think CSK are coming into the game with a huge chance to win. Um, similarly, if Mumbai beat KKR, then they 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 also like you know they, they would have won three on the trot, and I think Mumbai will also have a, a good chance. But I'm gonna go with CSK. I think they they just have they I just think they'll have a slight edge on this. So, you know, they're, they're still both great teams, but just just as a whole, I think CSK will just come out on top. Yeah, next one on Friday is RCB versus Punjab Kings. As a Punjab Kings uh, captain or player, what I would be thinking is, you know, we could we could get into the top four, but realistically, let's just try and string some wins together, get player confidence and, um, you know, try and push there and, you know, try and get some teams that, that are in the top four, try and beat them, beat the good teams, you know. So the Punjab Kings could do it. So I think just because RCB's batting has been pretty fragile and Punjab Kings... You know, can also uh, Punjab Kings batting hasn't I wouldn't say fragile. I'd say it's more like inconsistent. So I think Punjab can edge this one out. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go RCB. I think, I think yeah, they they I think RCB they they've got all the players, but it's been a little bit, you know, like the, the, yeah, as you said, it's been a little fragile recently. But you could possibly say the same for Punjab, really. Now it hasn't been Friday, but it's just been very inconsistent. They're very inconsistent, like on, on, on Friday when they play. But I think RCB would definitely win that game. So I think RCB, though, though I think they'll have a slight edge over um, Punjab Kings on this one for me. But you know, Punjab Kings they still have a great chance to win if some of their players can just find some form and then yeah, you know, just just um, get get some runs, get some wickets. Yeah. Uh, last match we look at, which is next Saturday, um, KKR versus Sunrisers Hyderabad. Two teams that are sort of like mid-table, SRH looking they could, you know, qualify. KKR, I wouldn't really, I think I'd put it on the SRH to win just because um, eventually they're going to stop. They got, normally go through periods and I think this could be the end. They could just be like this start. They could, SRH could lose the next couple but then win the last two, I think it is. So I'm, I think SRH are the better team and I think they'll win. 
Yeah, for me, I, I agree. SRH, you know, I think they're just really the best team. Yeah, I, as you said, I think KKR, they just haven't looked up in form at all. So I think SRH, they're, they're going to, I think they're going to win. Mm. Okay. Uh, so overall, it's been an exciting week of cricket. This, and next week, I think there's a lot of crunch clashes, you know, clashes between top two, bottom two teams that are fighting for fourth place. So this is where you're going to really get a lot of definition in terms of, you know, which teams are in the hunt for third, fourth place, which teams have secured first and second, for example. Will Lucknow finish next week on top or will it be Gujarat Titans? And also looking at the bottom of the table, can uh, Mumbai Indians string a couple of wins, beat CSK and um, and beat KKR and actually possibly, you know, not be 10th and be ninth, maybe even possibly push for eighth. So it's a good crunch week next week. And with the IPL slowly starting to come to a close, I think the finals are May 26th. And each te- most teams have got three or four matches left. You know, it's going to start getting a lot more interesting. There's going to be a lot more to play for now. A net run rate is also going to be extremely significant now. And people like, teams like DC, are because they've had a few really strong wins, they've got high net run rates. Whereas others have, even though it might be in higher positions, might have actually lower run rate, a net run rate. Anyway, so that's the end of our first segment, which is the IPL. Uh, coming on to our second and the final segment, which is all about English cricket. So we're going to be talking about, we haven't really spoken a lot about Stokes, Ben Stokes and Rob Key. You know, it's Ben Stokes as captain, Rob Key as managing director. The differences is going to be, uh, so we're going to talk about that a lot. Also, who we expect to see in, in the squad and in the final 11 for um, the test. I think it's New Zealand tests that are coming up first. And, and additionally, how, into, how are we going to make test cricket it's, it's, it's widely known test cricket sort of slightly dwindling in um, uh, popularity, especially among younger people. How are we going to sort of like, you know, kick that off and increase the popularity? We've seen, you know, the hundred being advertised quite a bit. We've seen like ODI, T20 matches, Vitality Blast, all these things being advertised. How are we going to get test cricket on that level and, you know, get it popular, get it popular among younger people, which is just another thing to think about. So it's just basically English cricket in general. Let's start with Ben Stokes being named as captain. We're on on the complete cricket podcast. I think we've we've mentioned clearly that for we we think that uh, well, especially I think that um, you know Stokes was the main choice, and um, Broad Broad could have been um, uh, possible. You know, a couple of like a year cut covered to give Ben Stokes time, but Ben Stokes, as always, is ready up for the challenge. So you know, we 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 don't know what really to expect because he hasn't he hasn't captained very much in Test cricket. Uh, Zaid, if you, what would be the one key difference between Joe Root and Ben Stokes in terms of their captaincy? Yeah, for me, it's got to be, you know, like, I think Root is just, like, I didn't think he was a very good captain. I think, you know, he, he did so much. You know, he was a good captain, but just at the end there, he, he kind of just fell away a bit. And I think the main difference for me, I think Ben Stokes, he's kind of, like, he's more intense, really. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll go out there, he'll give everything he's got, and he'll... In the dressing room, even when Root was captain, you know, everyone was looking at Ben Stokes as well. You know, both both of them. Like everyone was like, if if Stokes starts talking, everyone's going to be listening. And he's he's just kind of that role model, I think. Ben Stokes, I think, you know, he has yeah. Everyone still remembers. I don't think anyone's going to forget two thousand nineteen in the World Cup and the Ashes. And so I think, um, I think the main difference for me, I think Ben Stokes, he's more of a role model for me. To everyone else than Root, and I think he's just a bit more intense. He's more an intense leader than Root. Cool. Do you think you can elaborate more on like you you mentioned that uh, Root isn't well, wasn't a very good captain? Like for people who haven't really followed Test cricket very much, what would you say if, even in the last year 
or even before, like what would you say the main aspects of Root's test captaincy that you'd, you know, question, the things that you criticise him for? Yeah, I, I would look at it as like some sort of decisions he's made on field, you know, some even off field as well. And on field decisions, some of them haven't been very good, but um, the main thing really has been selection, a lot of selection, you know, like problems with Broad and Anderson, where have they gone? You know, like West Indies tour, they were, they were nowhere. They, 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 we didn't see them. I don't, I don't understand why. Um, and then, Roots, even in the ashes, he made some in, really weird decisions and a lot, a lot, um, a lot of things that people were questioning. And I think Root, you kind of just got like, um, you, you can blame Root, but you can't really blame Root in, in the same way in the sense that um, he he gave so much to Test cricket over the years as being captain, and then it's just kind of the last year. Maybe it just got to him that maybe like this is it's going a bit too much, you know. With all those batting collapses, uh, all the batting problems that England have had, he, he was a huge, was a major part of that, and he was a major like uh, he was who was a man to go to in terms of batting. He had to steady the ship. So I think maybe the captaincy just got a bit too much for him. But I think the main bits of him was just a lot of the decisions he made on field and with selection. Yeah, and no, I think that's fair. It's selection for me, you know. Like different, he, Juru isn't. He's not stupid. Like he's a, he's a, he's tactically astute, but he didn't really show that. And then a lot of the tactics, the decisions he made, could have really, if he made the correct decision or what you know what was the best decision, we could have actually you know won a few more Test matches in Australia, for example. And it could have really you know it would have brightened up the view, and he possibly could have been captain still. But anyway, you know that's an end of an era. We can't really. We we just there's not really much point in focusing. We've spoke, spoken a lot about you know Juru's captain and things like that. Focus now. The focus more on Stokes and what to expect, really. And yeah, I think in terms of obviously on the field, Stokes is you know Stokes is a respected figure, and he's known he can perform with the bat, he can perform with the ball, he feels really well, so he's good at everything. You need a captain who can you know be disciplined and show that he's good at all three uh, all three elements, so that you know he gets respect to his you know his peers and other players in the team. But off the field as well. In terms of, you know, selling Test cricket as such, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, how are we going to get more people watching Test cricket in England? You know, things like County Championship, how are we going to get more people? You know, obviously the interest with younger people is more like T20 Blast, you know, the 100, even T10s and stuff like that. There's so many short formats. How we get people interested in a longer game? I think Ben Stokes is your perfect person to sell it to people. You know, after his innings, you know, 135 knocked out, you still see it on Sky Sports so often, you know, it's still talked about by people. It's something that even people who aren't cricket fans even know. Like, it's, it's such a significant thing. It's, it's so, you know, it's so well ingrained in people's memories that Ben Stokes, when people think of Ben Stokes, they immediately think of Test Cricket, they think of Headingley, they think of the World Cup. So he is a perfect role model, I think. And uh, I think that he can really sell the game to people, especially younger people, and just generally people who aren't cricket fans. Would you say the same today, or would you say that, um, you know, he actually, how good do you think of he, how, do, how good do you think he is at like promoting test cricket? Yeah, I agree with you. I think he, he he's an excellent role model. You know, like, as he said, a lot, uh, even non-cricket fans, they, they know who he is and they know all about the Ashes and the World Cup and what, what Ben Sook did then. Everyone knows about it. So I think he's an excellent role model. He's well-respected everywhere he goes. And I think, just, just the, the person he is, really. You know, even Root as well. They were both great people, but I think Stokes, he, he's an excellent role model. I think he'll be able to sell Test cricket as he said. I think he'll be able to do it very well. 
So obviously this is all good and well, you know, he could sell test cricket, he's very respected. But in the end, what every uh, cricket fan, or England cricket fan wants is performances levels to go up. In terms of selection, who do you think he's going to be putting as, who do you think he's going to be favouring? Uh, will there be any change? Will there be people who've been like not, you know, not been in the, the main fold that um, with, uh, with Root that towards the end of his um, captaincy that might come back into the fold? Is there anyone you could specific names that you'd say? I'm not sure about specific names, but um, someone like Broad and Anderson, I think those two players, one of them has got to come back really, you know, like the, at least one of them. When they go overseas, one of them's got to be there. When they're, when they're in England, you know, maybe even both of them, just for this year at least, you know, obviously you've got to phase them out eventually, but you, you, you just, I think Stokes, well, I'm not sure if he wants them, but uh, I think... He's definitely got to look at bringing um, at least one of them back. But I just think um, Stokes will have a lot on his mind at the moment. And um, something, yeah, something something that you've got to be careful about if you're Stokes is, can he keep his own performance levels, like, as it is now? Can he keep it up? Because that, that, it's difficult. You know, you've got all that pressure of making decisions on field. You know, he's, he's captain now. And, you, you, and he's got to, it's difficult when you're, an all-rounder as well. You know, he bowls, he bats, he fields as well. He's an incredible fielder. So, stuff with injuries as well. You know, what, what if he gets injured? What happens if he gets injured? Who's captaining if he gets injured? So, um, DCB and Stokes, they, they've, all, they've all got to look at all of this and they've got to um, be careful about how Stokes... They've got to continue, like, looking at Stokes. They've got to continue, like, um, monitoring him and making sure he's fit in every game, making sure... He's doing okay mentally as well. Mm. Yeah, fitness I think is really important as a bowler, batsman, and fielder. Now, Joe Root obviously batted primarily, and he did field obviously, but he wasn't. It wouldn't. It wasn't a pace bowler, so he doesn't. He won't get. You know, he won't. There's not really a risk of getting like hamstring injuries or anything. You know, it, it, he was generally ever present. So I think um, that's something to consider as well. And also for me, I think uh, another significant well a, a difference is that. With under Ben Stokes and hopefully under Rob Key as the managing director, we're going to go on to him in a bit. Um, we're going to see a lot more of putting our best team first. Like we're not we're not going to hold we're not going to do rest and rotation. Obviously, there will be you can't not no pace bowler might not be able to play you know five tests or ten tests in a summer all ten they might have they might be rested. But what I mean is that we're not going to have like a regular rest and rotation system. If someone is feeling tired or someone has an injury, we rest them, we get them back to full health. Otherwise, we play our best team every single test. And I think that's what we, in order to improve performances, that's 100% what we need to do. If we start putting, you know, if we start bringing rotating people after one test, just because we think there could be a possible injury in the future that hasn't shown up yet, we're never going to win anything. And that, that's something that's really, really, really significant. Like Rob Key himself has also told, spoken that he doesn't really, not a fan of the rest and uh, rotation system. Um, and I, I'm not a fan of it either. And I think, honestly, you know, if, if Broad and Anderson are two uh, bowling really well, taking loads of wickets in county championships and it's the English summer, you know, we've got to play both of them. And if they if they do well for three, if we can, if it's five tests and we play them for three, so what? You know, if we play them for four, if they're doing well and they're fit and healthy, then we have to play them because they're, they're going to give us our best chance taking wickets. What are your views on the rest and rotation system? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I don't like it either. Rest and rotation, you've got to play your best... 11 every single game you know deal with injuries if it comes there's no point like um if you think an injury might happen there's also there's always a chance it won't happen and 
if it if, if it doesn't happen, then it's just a waste of time, really. It's just a waste of a player. You you does not play them because um because you think they might get injured. So I don't think I don't like the rest and rotation uh thing. I just think it, it's it's kind of like you've got to um even for viewers really you, you want everyone wants to see a, a cracking uh, cricket match, you know, in especially in test cricket. Um you want to see the best players playing and the, you want to see the best like the their best possible eleven every single game. You know, like you deal with injuries when it comes. You know, all, all cricket players go through injuries. But I don't like the rest of the rotation. I think you, you've just got to keep with your top players. If if someone's doing well, keep them in the team. There's no point resting them. So I think you've just got to go with your top players. Yeah. Now I think we've gone to Rob Key. We talked about his views on rest and rotation. So we're still missing a head coach, and that's something that's still on people's minds, still 100% on Rob Key and Ben Stokes' mind. Uh, we, we know it's going to be – well, we have a good indication that it's going to be a, um, a split for white, and red, white ball and red ball. Uh, if you could pick head coaches, who would you pick as your white ball uh, head coach and who would you pick as your red ball head coach? That, that, that's a really difficult one. You know, I'm not I'm – not, um, it's, it's difficult, you know, you have, you have contenders, you know, someone maybe like Andrew Strauss, perhaps, you know, you've got, um, I, I'm not really sure. I think Andrew Strauss is definitely a, a contender to be coached. But the main thing is you've got to have a coach that's like, someone like Justin Langer. I think I mentioned a few episodes ago, you know, he Justin Langer, he came in when Australian cricket was at possibly its all-time low. And he, he, he brought them up back up to competing against the best teams in the world and being able to beat them. So you need someone who's patient and be, be, he, they're able to restart something out of nothing. You, you, it's all good. Um, it's in, in test cricket. I mean, like in white ball cricket, you want someone who is able to continue what's already going on. So, yes, I think someone like Andrew Strauss is a con- definite, definite contender uh, for the Red Bull side, maybe. But um, uh, I'm not sure about others, but... As I say, you've got to have someone like Justin Langer who can restart something. Yeah, you're right about Justin Langer. The key thing with him as well, he was very disciplined. He would like he wanted certain things with the team, and he wouldn't, you know, compromise on them. If they did badly, he would tell them that they did badly. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't hide it. And that and you know, people Joe Root. Something that I noticed that I think you know a lot of English fans didn't like in the Ashes series. Every Ashes test we lost, even before that. Every test we lost, we did, apparently we did very well, according to him. You know, there's just small things. Eventually, we'll get better. Eventually, when? You know, you've got to be realistic. If we do badly, we've got to do bad. We do badly, you know, admit it. Like, we, and then from then on, we can, you know, look at ourselves and actually get better. And that's something that Justin Langer did to the Australian team. And that's why they've become such, like, they, they've always been a mighty force. But over the last couple of years as well, you know, winning the T20 World Cup, the one that they, the only, the only cup they really hadn't won, and, you know, just being a very dominant team in all formats. And that's that's purely because, you know, Justin Langer as a coach was very strict on them. He wanted this, he wanted that. He wouldn't, you know, if they did bad, they did bad. You know, they, he, didn't, he didn't try to sugarcoat it as such. So we want, a cap, uh, we want a coach like him for the Red Bull team. Yeah, you're right. For the White Bull team, there's not really much to do. You've just got to, we don't want to lose that slip we have on the White Bull game. You know, we're now second in ODI and T20 rankings, which is fine because obviously, you know, finished with the World Cup and then now we're just playing normal ODIs. And same with T20s, we didn't win the T20 World Cup, but we we want to you know be challenging to win every you know every white ball um, World Cup. So we've got to keep up that performances levels, performance levels, and bring in I think more younger talents as well in the white ball teams just to give it a refresh. Because obviously every every team has cycles. 
And you know, we don't want to we don't want to be caught up where we've got a load of players retiring or playing badly in bad form, and then we need to quickly make like a huge amount of change in the white ball format. So you just got to sustain the, what's going on so far, I think. So yeah, I think that's it for the, our episode today. Thank you, Zay, for being on the episode. There's a lot to hope for in English cricket, 100 percent Um, you know, we've there we 100 percent will have a lot to um look forward to with the first test um English test uh I think it's June the 2nd. It's against New Zealand. That'll be interesting. New Zealand are typically a very good test team. They've got a load of young players as well as, you know, players who could score runs. Kane Williamson is back as well. And that's going to be a really good, um, a really good test. But we've got to, we, obviously, there's not really much indication of who's going to be in the team, who's not, because it's just too far away now. You know, it's nearly a month left. But there, there is a lot, to, there's a lot to look forward to. So hopefully we can, you know, get start with a couple of wins in test cricket. You know, one win in the last 17, you need to get rid of that. Forget about all of that. And focus on, you know, from today, zero from zero, we want to win tests and win them with our best team and win them in like a in the right way with a good attitude and winning it by dominating, you know, not by like scraping through as well. We want to dominate test matches. Anyway, that's it for today. Uh, thank you, Zaid. And yeah, see you on the next episode.